Welcome to another episode of Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, by way of Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania. He is one Jim Legrando. Jim was in a few bands, one being Cool Ethan, another called Gossip Grows on Trees, and is currently writing songs as part of a writing team called Two Kings. Jim is the co-founder of Craft Services, and he's also the manager of a band known as Punchline. In terms of what he's currently working on creatively at the moment, well, songwriting projects, and what is inspiring him at the moment, well, that would be the Great British Baking Show. In terms of any sports or activities, Jim is a diehard Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Uh, In terms of any TV shows to watch or stream besides the Great British Baking Show, well, breaking the band on Reels Network. You might be wondering, does Jim have any pet peeves? Well, drivers who don't understand proper merging, and he also does not appreciate whataboutism. Does Jim have any favorite foods? Well, loves pizza and ice cream. Not together, but ice cream pizza is probably a delicious confection. Our conversation today is going to be about the debut record titled Resident Alien, and that, of course, is by the band Space Hog. It was recorded up in Bearsville Studios in Woodstock, New York. It was produced by Bryce Goggin and mixed by Bryce Goggin and Space Hog at RPM Studios in New York City. It was mastered at Masterdisc by Scott Hall. So without further ado, let's meet our guest, Jim Legrando. Jim Legrando, it is so great to have you on the program. Thanks for coming by. And I'm really looking forward to talking about all things Space Hog with you. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, Matt. Thank you so much for inviting me to come on and talk about all things Space Hog. I'm really looking forward to it. I think we're going to have some fun. Right on. My pleasure. So uh, interestingly enough, Resident Alien is the record we're discussing. This is their debut. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about cover art later, so I, I'm probably going to save this question, but we're getting very, very close to uh, a silver anniversary for this record. It came out in October, which is yeah, absolutely bonkers. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that. This is, the, uh, this is the anniversary year for that record. For sure. <laughs> I, I know. I can't believe, you know, it seems like we're just a few years removed from the late 90s. I don't know. That's somehow right. my brain sort of like has become wired in that capacity when it comes to music. I, I'm not sure why, but that's how it goes. So, okay, we're talking about Resident Alien here, and um, I've got to ask you this question off the top. Um, what inspired you to choose this record, and, you know, how did you discover the world of Space Hog? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, so the first album came out in 1995, so I was 14. And what I would do sometimes is because I listened to the album so much, and why this album resonated with me so hard, I can't really tell you. I just thought it was so damn rocking. I would think of all the lyrics of the songs from beginning to end, and if I could think of all in my head, by the end of it, my math class would be over. <laughs> that's a really short 40, 42 minutes or 45 minutes <laughs> yeah 
so that was a thing with that. And I don't know. It's like it was a it was a strange thing. And then like so I I mean I really liked that the album. I thought it was rocket. And at the time I was like I said, and I I later in life. I was a musician in the sense of I'd always taken piano lessons. My parents forced me to take piano lessons, and then I had them. I actually took them for all of my, like, I started in first grade, and I ended when I was a senior. But by the time I was that old, I was kind of into it, because halfway through, my piano teacher realized that the only stuff that would kind of motivate me wasn't playing, like, Mozart and Chopin and stuff like that. She was like... I bet you'd like really like to play more contemporary music or like movie themes and stuff like that. So that's all the stuff that I learned. But then I, as a byproduct of all that, I didn't realize at the time, but then of course it became better later was I learned all the music theory. So then later in life, I, I became a drummer and then later a guitarist and doing songwriting and stuff. And all those things came into, you know, I was glad I learned it all when I was a kid because I could do it all later. But uh, at the time, it was something I didn't totally think about. We are talking with Jim Legrando here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about Resident Alien, which is the debut record from a band called Space Hog. And uh, Jim, I've got to ask you, you you know, you mentioned prior to our conversation that you were in a couple of bands like Cool Ethan and Gossip Grows on Trees. And uh, I know that you're also uh, a member of a songwriting team called Two Kings. And uh so right. for all for all the listeners at home, I'm going to be supplying links to various projects in the show notes of this episode. Um, within the constructs of all of these projects that you've been involved with musically, has Space Hog kind of found its way into your uh, songwriting or the approach to different instruments that you've played over co- the course of time? Uh, that's a that's an interesting question because I didn't say they necessarily. I wouldn't say they directly influence something where I'm thinking like, oh, this sounds you know, like a bass part from that yeah. or something like that. But I mean, I'm sure that just because of just like the way of their, their melodies and stuff come together, things that I probably subconsciously think of, because <clears throat> I seem to, uh, I seem to feel like in a way, if I have like a natural tendency towards something, if I'm writing a song, mm-hmm. I will immediately, like my, my natural tendency will take it to some sort of, I can't really explain it in a way that makes sense other than sounds like sort of like power ballady or some sort of like hair metalish, but like this like sort of soaring vocal that Space Hog stuff sort of has, which doesn't fall into hair metal. But I'm just saying, like if I'm if I was just going to unencumbered write something, it would probably sound like like a lost warrant record or something like that. I'm not totally sure. That's not, you know, I mean, that's not what the, that's not what the marketplace is looking for. So you got to be a little bit more uh, refined with what you're doing. So uh, I, I could do it all. Space Hog has a little bit of a, a glam rock vibe, if you will, at least on this debut right. record. Um, for sure. It, it was recorded up in Woodstock, New York, at Bearsville Studios. Um, what's really interesting about this band is the majority of them are a bunch of expats, right? Like they're, you know, at least three of the guys are from the UK and I believe the, you know, one of the other players, you know, happens to be Canadian. So they all kind of migrated towards New York city or New York state. Right. Right, right, right. I'm pretty sure that those dudes were all living somewhere in Brooklyn and met through just the case of, you know, bands in, in Brooklyn and doing that thing around there. So they were, kind of got together and played a couple of things. And then I think that they just kind of had a, I don't know if they had like a name around the scene. I mean, of course I didn't live there or know directly from from when that was going on, but at least from, you know, what I'd seen, I think it's, they were probably playing a couple of things and then they just, you know, had 
had this one song that really connected with people. So it was just a matter of making the right connections and finding the person who was ready to give them a chance. Yeah, and that that gentleman was uh, Seymour Stein, I believe, at Sire <laughs> Records, too. My gosh, right. I mean, y- you know, w- we know that name. Um, this guy is just like, it, it seems like the bands that he signed to Sire at that given time, whether it was throughout the 80s and 90s, he just, he allowed for so much creative control and, and uh, artistic expression from his artists. Do you think that's an accurate portrayal of, you know, the the approach to Sire Records and the way that Space Hog kind of was approaching their craft at the at that moment? I would say I, that's, a, that's a really good, uh, you know, assessment without knowing firsthand, of course, but I would agree yeah. with that, that, that sort of premise because when you have that sort of catalog, so to speak, for a label, you can take chances. And I'm sure that they heard, you know, this one, you know, and it only takes one song. Like, I'm sure in 1995, when selling CDs was king and everybody got rich because, you know, you wanted that one song where you had to go and spend... $19 to get the full album. Everybody right. was like fat and happy when it came to that. And I think it's as far as like the label itself, you know, like being in the group and having so many of those big names, like Seymour signed, signed Madonna to, to Warner Brothers. So it's kind right. of like, he right. had like the ability to open the doors for everything or like they had the money to like back it on that. So it's like Space Hog had a great song. They were probably ready to go out and play a million dates and, you know, they had the ability to work it out. Who's to say? Who's to say what was going on? Where they were like, "Hey, you got to take a chance on this band and this song if you want to have the next Ramones album, <laughs> whatever was kind of happening at the time, or whatever side I had." Folks, we're talking with Jim Legrando here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tucker. We're talking about Space Hog. You may remember them from uh, 1995. They are still a band. They are cutting records, but we're specifically honing in on that debut record of theirs titled Resident Alien. Jim, there are no guest performers, you know, that that are featured on this album, but we do know that, you know, on their follow-up, there's a gentleman named Michael Stipe of of R.E.M. that performs with them. So they developed a ton of respect from some very well-known performers within the music industry as soon as they got signed to a major. Right. Right. Um, well, you know, I mean, that song that he that, that Michael Stipe performed with them was on their follow-up record that came out after Resident Alien. So I'm sure there was a lot of, I mean, you know, that when they put that that album out there, one song in the meantime was so big for that moment of like being like an MTV buzzbin selection and just having like massive radio play. You know, I'm sure that they had had they had a they had a pretty bright star for what they were doing at the time. For sure, I love those those buzz band things that MTV used to have. I think that might have actually been where I discovered the band when right. uh, when in the mean in the meantime was released as a single. Right. That was um, how I saw them. They had that video. They had a they had a I don't want to say iconic video, but they had a video that was part of that buzz band collection that I remember watching and just being like, "What is this song? Yeah, it's so yeah. good." Jim, this feels like a natural segue to talk about what your favorite tracks are on this record. Where would you like to begin? Uh, would you like to pick out a handful, or should we literally go track by track? What do you want to do? All right, yeah. well, so looking at this thing, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just going to get – so the first track is the, the Hammer. They started off with the most popular song, In the Meantime, which, listening to it today, still absolutely holds up. It's going to hold up. We'll, that'll be something I'm sure will be on alternative stations on Sirius or whatever until – we're like in our 60s or 70s until we play that song. Um, Absolutely. And 
I didn't. I think it's it's really good. It just has it just has such a like the falsetto beginning of it is just so memorable that that that's the thing I'm sure that people instantly think of or if you hear it you're like oh yeah that song and then the uh, the bass line is just real real funky definitely <laughs> it's a it's a, <laughs> it's a solid line so if, if, can we backpedal a second here you know I I should have asked this question a minute or two ago and can you tell our listeners who the players are on this record before we talk about it in the meantime. Oh, for sure. Well, okay. So yeah. the, the band is made up of four guys. There's brothers. The lead singer's name is Royston Langdon, and his brother, Anthony, is the guitar player. And uh, just the thing that I know about them with them then is they were like, they were in a way, they were like how like the Gallagher brothers of Oasis fight with each other. They were like notoriously like brothers that fought. They were like, but because, you know, at the time that they were out, there already was Oasis, so they were number one, and then the Black Crows existed. So they're probably number two, and they this, they might have been the sixth most popular brother brother rivalry of bands in the nineties or something, but it definitely existed. Um, yeah. So then uh, there was that, and then they had uh, the the like Royston played the bass and was a lead singer. Mm-hmm. Anthony played the I guess the rhythm guitar, and then they had a guy Rich who was the lead guitar player, and uh, Johnny Craig was their drummer. We are talking about Resident Alien from a band called Space Hog here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tucker. We are talking with Jim Legrando. Jim is based outside of Philadelphia these days. He's a manager of Punchline from Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania. He's a musician in his own right. He's a songwriter. You're kind of like everything. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) <laughs> preeminent, preeminent space hog historian for a guy that wasn't in the bed yes. and doesn't know every single fact. Um, <laughs> but it's funny. Yeah, so something, that, I mean, not to, I know we were kind of talking about the track listing. Something else I just thought we of are. That, that, that pops back on my mind is the first concert I ever went to that wasn't like, I, like, I think I saw the Beach Boys when I was like a kid with my parents. Like, I think they came through and did something in Altoona. So like we went to the high school football field to watch this or something. I guess I can count that. I don't know if I would, but because I wasn't really like, not that I wasn't conscious of it, but when you're like six or something going to a Beach Boys concert, you're not thinking about it as much as, you know, when you're a a teenager and you go to a concert, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, my first teenage concert was going to see Metallica play at the Star Lake Amphitheater in Pittsburgh. And why this is significant is because it was in July my birthday is July 14th, so it was, like, around my birthday, and Metallica was playing, I think, Saturday night, and Sunday night was Space Hog at some club in Pittsburgh, and my plan was to go down there with my friends, see this Metallica concert, stay over, and then the next day was Space Hog, you know, Resident Alien Tour, going to be great. And Unreal, yeah. For whatever reason, and, well, I think now, you know, 25 years later, the answer was they didn't sell enough tickets at the time. They canceled the show. What? And uh, I guess Space Hog wasn't a, Pittsburgh wasn't a Space Hog town. But it was supposed <laughs> to happen at the Metropole, and it did not happen. And uh-huh. I didn't get to go and see them. I did get to see them when that album came out, when their last album came out in 2013. So I saw them for the first time in, like, 2013 or 2014. And that's, you know... That, that was it was awesome to finally like make that happen, but it's so different because you know 2014 yeah. is 
19 years after that record came out. So it's not like it was like they were on the tours doing that thing. It was like the same sort of show, but still fun nonetheless. That sounds like incredibly gratifying, yet somehow still heartbreaking at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, nice. man, that was going to be the greatest rock concert weekend of my life. And it just, it was only the half coolest because seeing Metallica as a first concert is pretty cool. I can't complain that, about that. That is pretty <laughs> cool. We're talking about Space Hog here, and we're starting off with this lead single, and it's also the lead track on Resident Alien. It's called In the Meantime, and uh, there's just such a cool, like, wash of, like, overdriven guitars or overdriven amplifiers and, like, a really, like, unexpected kind of piano outro at the end, you know, compared to, like, this wash of, you know, sound that you're experiencing for about four minutes or so. It's uh, It kind of catches you off guard. Right. And the thing that's kind of, I mean, that I think is neat about it is that it seamless, seamlessly transitions into the track. So it's like as it ends with the piano outro, as you were talking about, it kind of like swells up. And if you listen to that album, it immediately starts into track two, which is a cool effect that more bands should probably do. So so after In the Meantime, we have Space Hog. They have announced their arrival yeah, it's not a title track. It's like a half title track. It's like a ha- yeah, it's like a half title it track. Does. I mean, it sets yeah. the tone. I mean, the chorus yeah. of that song is is, is simply five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, baby, I'm Space Hog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this is their ma- major Tom in uh, some way? Yeah, I mean, I guess I could totally see that. I mean, I know that they are definitely like a T Rex, Bowie, you know, sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of band. So yeah, I could, I could see that being the case. Thing. Are there any lyrics that stick out for you on this one, or is it, you know, is, is the chorus that that announcement of "Baby, I'm a space hawk," you know, enough to go by? Like, all right, you guys are you guys are here. You're, you know, you're assaulting my ears right now, and I'm absolutely loving this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think that a lot of this of my love for this album, of course, and I, I think it absolutely still holds up. You know, it's like you think about it with any music. It's like subjective of like the time that you're having it and what's going on. And just like, I don't know. I mean, I remember like, you know, it's like the lyrics, you asked about the lyrics. The lyrics are like something like, now I see the moon. We got here all so soon. The earth looks very different from up here. The melodies of it and the stuff is just like, I don't know. It's just somebody who's listening to like fuzz guitar and loud rock, but just not like non-threatening although i was listening to all kinds of of metal from up and down to like i was my <laughs> i was no i i had i have a lot of cousins that were way into bands like slayer and guar <laughs> so right. like, i've heard a lot of crazy stuff <laughs> that wasn't necessarily i don't want to say it was my cup of tea but i was at least exposed to it but like it was uh i don't know it just there's I don't know why this connected with me so long, so so much, but it just did. And dude, it's a weird thing because you think about now, like I guess it's like it's weird that I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> wax nostalgic about Space Hogs Resident Alien in this in this sense, but it's like I wonder like with kids today, it's like with the singles culture that we definitely are in the midst of. You know, back then, like, you just listen to a CD from the beginning to the end. I mean, you know, you could shuffle through it or whatever, but it's just, like, it's yeah. different. Like, it's like, I'm driving somewhere, I popped in a CD, and I listened to all of it. I didn't think about how, like, I, I like, unless I really didn't care for some track, would I skip it? I'd usually just have it on and not worry about it. So it's like, you listen to it over and over again, and it wasn't just Resident Alien. It was anything. It was, like, Weezer's Blue Album or, like, 
you know, REM monster or anything like this time. I'm just thinking of CDs that I had that I would listen yeah. to. And it's like, Bam. you just get a different yeah. appreciation yeah. for, like, I definitely know there's songs on here I don't like over others, but just as a collection together, I feel like you got to hear it all. I'm totally with you. I mean, they're, they're absolutely scene setting with, in, with that piano outro thing within the meantime. And then, like you said, it, that it completely swells up again and you're right into Space Hog. You completely miss the bus of that, you know, with that nuance if you're not listening to the entire thing, the entire CD or the entire album, you know? Right. That's, That's right. So after Space Hog, we have Starside. It's beautiful. It's kind of ethereal, lots yep. of really cool, like arpeggiated guitar lines. Um, I hear a lot of Bowie influence in this one as well. But what do you think? What, what, do you like this song? I mean, I do like this song. I think that it's certainly one of the like. Uh, I'm trying to look ahead because I, I want to say it's certainly the softer side of Space Hog. I don't know if yes. it's the softest side, but it's certainly <laughs> it's certainly there. And I just think it's like, I think the chorus is the thing that gets me the most in the sense of listening to it because it's just like an interesting melody of being like, the way there's like, it was just like that. There's uh-huh. such interesting, I think, like, gra- like melodies that kind of pull you in to be like, this is all right, this is interesting. I can kind of do this. Like you said, it's ethereal, so you kind of can like escape or think about it. You know, I, don't, you, I wasn't like, Doing drugs. <laughs> Teenagers that would potentially enhance the experience of listening to this disc, but maybe nowadays like, that might be the case. You know? But there's, I mean, th- th- there's this line in there that says, you know, th- that they sing, I'd like to leave without a trace, press record and then erase, see you later, now I'm gone, so long, I'll see you when I'm starside. That's, um, that's a little ominous, you know? Right. I'm just also yep. thinking like, man, this is so effective to me. It's not, I didn't, I never thought deeply about what they were saying with the lyrics. Like I heard them, but I never took it where I was like, oh, that's so crazy. I was always just thinking like, man, I love the way that he makes that word sound. <laughs> we are talking with Jim Legrando here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about Space Hog and their debut album, Resident Alien. Um, Jim, what's next? Well, Next on the list is the song Candyman, which I don't know. I feel like maybe it's some sort of ode to that horror movie from the 90s of the same name that Uh spawned some sort of mini franchise, I guess. But I don't know. I think I feel like this this song is one of the more rocking ones on the album in a way. I don't know. What was your take on it? My Okay. My take on this one was I heard a couple of hints of some um, white album in there from the Beatles. Like I heard like some little nods to Dear Prudence and then they just kind of like space hogged it, if that makes sense. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, no, I can see, I can see that. Looking at the album, I mean, there's two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 13 tracks. I personally think 13 tracks, all, all bangers, all come together as one album that you would sit and look at. But if we're looking to highlight some, we talked about four. The first four, I think, are great for to kind of, like, ease into it. I mean, it keeps going. Space is the place. Interesting song. It has an interesting kind of, like, almost like there's some kind of, like, a, like a sermon opening of sorts. Like, it sounds like it's like some sort of church thing. I remember that song always stuck out to me as a kid because it said the F word in it. And then it's always funny to hear the F word when you're, like, 14 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember giggling about that. 
it's interesting this this album then moving on has like has has a song called Never Coming Down Part One and then later they reprieve it as Never Coming Down Part Two where it's much more louder and bombastic in a way. I think that's a kind of interesting thing. But okay, so we talked about in the meantime, favorite song on the album, one that stands the test of time in terms of like what will cement their one hit wonder status from now until eternity. But I think the second best song in this album is Cruel to Be Kind, which mm. is just kind of like this down and dirty, like, I mean, it's 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 certainly rock, and it's kind of like, I guess it's sort, I mean, it certainly, like, fits into the, like, the alternative, like, 90s vibe. I don't want to say it's grunge, because it's not grungy, but it just is like, it's it just works. <laughs> what is it? And I think the thing that I think is funny about this is, Obviously, this song, there's been songs, a million songs called Curl to Be Kind, or at least one major one that yeah. is, you know, the Elvis Costello hit written by Nick Lowe, somebody who I was with it at Yep Rock. And, but for the longest time, when people would talk about that, not me realizing it, I would think that when they would say it, it's that. Like, that's the first song that came to my head is the Space Hawk. It's <laughs> just not a song that anybody's ever talking about outside of that band. It's funny you mention Elvis Costello in this context, because I was going to ask you, do you think that this is Space Hog's rebuttal to, you know, that song that Nick Lowe wrote? Hmm. I mean, that's an interesting take, man, <laughs> because I guess it could be. <laughs> in a way. I, 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 like, yeah. it's, it's, saying, it's, it's, it's saying somewhat the same thing in the lyrics, but from the opposite way that, like, Elvis yeah. Costello is saying. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Maybe. That would be something we would have to ask those guys. But yeah. But I think that that's an interesting take. You don't have to be cruel to be kind, so Space Hog. <laughs> nice. And then just like Shipwrecked is this like slow five minute song that just has like it's something that's like it's just like this another ethereal track that has crazy sounding vocals in it. I yeah. I love how this song like hangs on the ride symbol for some yeah. reason. There's I, I got the sense of like maybe like a little early '90s Guns N' Roses and like a, with a little dash of Prince on this one for some <laughs> weird reason. And those are those are meant to be compliments. Like I I didn't for expect sure. to I didn't expect to hear you know those you know those little intonations in um in the lead vocal. I thought that was really really cool and really interesting dichotomy uh based on the music i thought it was just it's a really fun track really cool moment i think something else with this just as you mentioned that it's just like there are songs on here that certainly sort of sound the same but it does not sound i mean i guess you know it's like in a way but it's like they're all sort of like different in a way they, they all fit together as a collection each song but it's not 13 of the same songs <laughs> some bands will have the same kind of like idea the same thing with it it's like they're all like you know Shipwreck sounds so different than, say, only a few sounds. And, you know, and I wonder if that's, like, the band themselves thinking of that stuff or if it's, like, you know, the producer, Bryce Goggin, just, like, knocking it out of the park with crazy sounds and, like, ways that he thought that it should be. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what say you about only a few? Um, are, there, are there some lyrics that stand out for you? Do you think it's, like, a really, like, a really cool segue from Shipwreck? <clears throat> I think it's a cool segue. I think the thing that stands out for me is that it has interesting, like, the way that it sounds, like, the way that, like, the dude's voice and some of the stuff is different, but I think more about the, like, the bat, like, there's, like, these, like, kind of sounds like that, like, like the background, and then it has, like, these, like, 
like these like interesting background things where it's like I don't know. It's just like I can I can picture all of it in my head. I can't re regurgitate it by singing it to you to do it any justice. But it's just like it has just like some such interesting production to me um, for being you know a song like that. Nice. After um, only a few, we have a song called "The Last Dictator." Um, is, is this a track that you would uh, gravitate towards, or is this a track that may kind of be sort of on the back end of famous. right i yes yes i would agree with that i mean it's not i mean i listen to it i don't skip it but i don't i don't necessarily gravitate towards it not in the sense of like so the so the zeros is a song that i think is i love i don't talk about I, it yeah i feel like if i had the top three that's you've got it's three based on the nature of what i said because it's I, I feel like i like cruel to be kind more than it but it could be t- i mean it's close those are those are the top three for me on this album. There's just something about that how it starts out kind of like it just like it 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 does one of my favorite things where it's like you're it's like real slow to begin with and then it just has cool rocking drums that just walk themselves down into like a like a, it's not loud or fast it's just like you know and like it just uh-huh. it just it just works nice. I'm trying to make sense of the chorus. You know, she gave me a call, so I gave her a smile, and I asked her for love and what I should dial. She said, zero, zero. And, and there's this, like, haunting repetition of the word zero. I think the situation is, it, to me, the song is about that he is trying to pick up some girl, and then instead of her giving him, he asked her what her number is. And instead of saying, my number is, you know, whatever the number is, she just said, zero. Like he's like he's being asked to call the operator rather than call her direct. Right. That's my take. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But that's, that is, I mean that's it. And then it and then it ends on a kind of like this sort of like folky. It feels like it's you know like a like a group jam. Yeah. That's like a but like Cecilia about some. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like a yeah. It's like a '90s Cecilia, except for it's about some <laughs> kid that like murders his parents or something. Sounds uh, like nonfiction for some reason. Yeah. We are talking with Jim Legrando here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, all things Space Hog, all things Resident Alien. And uh, Jim, I would like to close our conversation by talking about cover art. And uh, okay, so we, we live in this crazy world in the 21st century where things are always rapidly evolving, changing. Uh, music's available digitally. Most bands, you know, are releasing things digitally, et cetera. And, uh, but one constant is always some sort of supporting artistic medium, and that is you, in the form of some kind of cover art to complement an album or a single. Um, what is conjured up in your mind when you look at Resident Alien? <laughs> What's conjured up on that? Well, so the cover yeah. of it, so for, I'm sure you've seen online or whatever, it just basically looks like the fun of it is – basically an immigration visa to the United States, but it's, if it's set up for this alien that looks basically like a pig wearing a helmet. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it has like the different things. Like it's like, it says surname, hog, given name, space, right. Passport number, 007. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> Sex. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, I mean, do I think this is some sort of classic cover that'll stand the test of time? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. 
I love how the expiry date is 2001. Is that a nod to 2001 <laughs> A Space Odyssey? <laughs> yes, I bet that it is because, so, I mean, in later, and then the thing is, like, so Space Hoggis had four albums. One of them is called The Hoggesy. Um, and on it, they actually do a instrumental version of that song from that movie. It's pretty, it's pretty rocking. It's pretty, I mean, it's, you know, fucked out. <laughs> it's just cool. For sure. That's great. Jim, thank you so very much for being on the program. I really appreciate, you know, I love talking with you and I really love your perspective on this record by Space Hog. So again, thank you so very much for being here. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun chatting with you about this record. I would like to think that maybe a lot of it has to just do with my nostalgia for having it as a kid. I was very, I was, and I always thought that it was, it was neat to myself to like this band so much or like this record so much that so people would ask me, you know, like, like, what's a band that you like that nobody's really knows? And I would, this would always be my choice. Um, when I lived, it's going to like, it was very cool to like this band. They're sort of like underground. I've always stayed there. I mean, I guess there was some notoriety in the fact that the, the lead singer did marry Liv Tyler, Steven Tyler's daughter, um, after, like, well after this record came out. So it was like they had already been beyond that. And they, so there was some, like, moment where he was kind of in, around with people being like, oh, it's Liv Tyler's husband. So there was some of that. But then it was like, you know, later in life, having the opportunity to work with them on their, on their last album, which was, which was pretty cool. Uh, they worked with Bryce Goggin, the guy that did Resident Alien again to do the last one. And I actually got to go to the studio and was there when they were recording some of it. So that was, that was pretty cool. And then I got to finally see them perform, which I had said to you before. I got to see them play more than once. One time they did a cruise in, uh, in the harbor in New York. So we like got on this boat and it basically cruised down around the Statue of Liberty and back up like on the other side of like Manhattan and then back down again. Cause that was just like basically the bottom of the island. But, we were on this boat, and then Space Hog played a full show. It was a lot of fun. That's, that sounds <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, but yeah, and they said so like they worked with that, you know, like I said, they worked with that guy from the same first record again, and he was nice. And I met, yeah, I met all the guys in the band, and everyone was super nice. That's always great. Where it's like you know you you know you you admire people, and then you get a chance to meet them. And I fortunately haven't had the situation where. I meet somebody like that and they're a jerk. So that's great, but I'm sure that it's out there. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are better, that are, that are jerks and you don't want to meet your heroes in that way, but you know, these guys are great. And uh, yeah, I really just encourage your listeners to check this out. If you're into rock, nineties rock that, you know, has a bit of glam, bit of fuzz edge, you know, give it 45 minutes of your time. What else are you going to do? All right, my special thanks to Jim Lagranda for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much, and please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your podcasts in podcast world. Take a moment to tell your friends and tell your family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore world from cover to cover.